Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 363, covering The Forge and Awakening. Hi, friends. It's, uh, well, it's it's late April, and I don't want you to be thrown by this, but this is not an April Fool. No. We liked these two episodes. We did. It's surprising and shocking and... Do you remember, like, there's been a couple of episodes here and there in Enterprise that we've been pretty okay with, uh-huh. or even liked, I would say. Have Do you remember any time in the history of Post-Atomic Horror where we had two, like, because, you know, we cover two episodes each time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at any point both of us completely agreeing that both episodes we covered that week were good? I'm sure this has happened at some point. For but... Enterprise, I mean. Specifically oh, for Enterprise? For Enterprise. No. No, it's happened a lot for the other series. I mean, I can't, like, at this point in my life, I can't remember anything beyond fucking season three. Like, I'm pretty sure the handful of episodes we liked have been scattered very sporadically through seasons one and two. Yeah. There's nothing we liked in season three. That was just total garbage. Yeah. And so far in season four, there's been some stuff that you liked and I didn't or that I liked okay and you didn't. But but here, both of us agree. Both of these episodes are good. Like, like, ah, great might be. I don't know. If you want to say great, that's that's you. I enjoyed I don't the crap out of these, that. but uh... I I did too. But there's a couple of things. First of all, Amanda asked me because she she happened to be out of town on a on a work trip. She usually watches these with me. Sure, she couldn't this time, and she said, "Okay, are they good or are they good for Enterprise?" And I I don't know. I can't judge that at this point in my life, man. I've been in, I've been in the shit for too long. <laughs> for me, it's I try to imagine what it would be like on another series, and this is such a quintessentially like it's clearly the writers saying we need to fix this, mm-hmm. and that's why it's good because. It's the writers acknowledging so many of the things we've complained about and making an effort to make them better. Yeah, I really. It's nice to know that I wasn't the only person who was like, "These Vulcans are terrible," right? No, people went on and on about the new showrunner taking over and cleaning up all of Brandon Braga's messes, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen a whole lot of evidence of that yet. And this, I guess, is what they mean. Yeah, no, there's stuff in this episode that just feels like someone sat down and went, "All right, well, we got to fix this." Uh, there's probably a huge whiteboard in the in the writer's room where it's like, what what's wrong with the show? Okay, let's just go down the list. Yep. And my, my only other concern, though, uh, calling these great, is that there is still another part. And that is that true. Yeah, it could still whiz it down its leg yeah. with the last. Uh-huh. We got Brandon back for the last episode. Oh, no. It was all a dream. Oh, boy. But let's uh, let's do what we've been doing since these are connected stories. You you uh, summarize part one, and then I'll go ahead and summarize part two. So tell us what happens in the Forge. All right, let's do the Forge Awakens. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say Jordy the Forge. <laughs> All right, so on Scenic Vulcan at Stately Earth Embassy, Admiral Forrest and Saval are are having a shockingly not so grump conversation about the possibility of humans and Vulcans working together and getting along. It's very inspiring. Then the building explodes. And Admiral Forrest along with it. Shit! A major death that counts. Enterprise is called away from both their basketball game and admiring Flox's sweater suit. That's a sweatsuit made entirely out of woolen sweaters. <laughs> to investigate. The High Command su- suspects that this was the work of a terrorist Vulcan pacifists. And before we can wonder too much about that, that oxymoron, an actual moron, Malcolm, discovers an unexploded bomb in the remains of the embassy that was clearly placed there by said Vulcan terrorists. He also almost explodes Travis. <sighs> With actual proof that the Serenist... T- 
the, at the, the Syrianist terrorists and their leader, Tapau, are involved. And also an idic from Tapal's Tamam, available now from Gene Roddenberry Incorporated. If it's covered in eggs and talking at length about its disgusting sexual habit- habits, it's a gene. Tapal and Archer brave the Vulcan Forge, a big chunk of desert, remarkable for being a big chunk of desert on a big desert planet, and are attacked by a copy of Diane Duane's Spock's World. They find shelter from a sand firestorm, notable for containing both wind and sand but no fire, with a Rev, another Serenist who dies and shoves the soul of Surak down Archer's throat. Eventually, they're kidnapped by other Vulcans because it's been three episodes since Archer saw the inside of a prison cell. Back on Enterprise, so- Saval uses a Vulcan mind melt to show a man in a coma police lineup. <laughs> And now the exciting, not conclusion, continuation, Awakening. Ambassador Soval is brought before the Vulcan High Command for that thing Paul F. Tompkins and Matt fear most, getting yelled at. (laughs) This hard-melding, human-sympathizing rebel plays by his own rules, and the last thing this council needs is a loose cannon, so he's promptly fired. Not out of a cannon. I probably shouldn't have used the words fired and cannon in the same sentence, because I can see how that might be confusing. I mean, he's no longer employed by the High Command. Back on Vulcan, Archer and the Sirenites sort out pretty quickly that he's carrying around Sorak's Katra, which spares us the tedious disbelief plot that I was certain would take up most of this episode. Then they tell him they intend to pry that sucker out of his mind whether he wants it or not, which I guess is in keeping with standard Vulcan protocols for melding? T'Pol doesn't believe any of this, and also she disapproves of this whole forced melding plan. Archer, for his part, doesn't seem to mind. I mean, flagrant disregard for a, per- for a person's basic rights and well-being for the sake of getting what you want in an expedient fashion is pretty much his M.O., so he actually probably respects them. Anyway, it doesn't end up actually working, but it does kill a little time, since Enterprise's mission statement now is, why tell a story in one episode when you can do it in three? Meanwhile, that still-fired, still not from a cannon, Soval, works with the Brain Trust on Enterprise, which is, oh god, it's trip. <laughs> This distinguished elder representative of a highly dignified and intelligent race has to work out a plan with possibly the dumbest character to ever appear in Star Trek. Oh, he's still charming and lovable, but let's not, prefer- let's not pretend he's not profoundly stupid. The plan they end up working out is, let's send a shuttle down for the captain, which is about what I expected. And it goes about as well as I expected, too. The Vulcans stop them. In fact, things get pretty tense between the Vulcans and Enterprise, and the only thing standing between this situation and an all-out Earth-Vulcan war is... Trip. See my previous. Back downstairs on the planet, Archer follows Surak's ghost into some new treasure trove of ancient Vulcan goodies, but oh no, the Council has started bombarding the caves, which kills T'Pol's mom, because of course it does. Why do they hate those guys so much? Trip asks Saval, to which the ambassador replies, because they're pacifists, and the High Command really wants to go to war with Andoria. So Trip lays in a course for Andoria, which dangles the enticing promise of Shran in front of us just before throwing up the old to-be-continued. Wait, really? You mean I actually care about what happens next? What is even happening right now? This is baffling and confusing, but here we are. Like, Ah, uh, yeah. What? Yeah. There's so much continuity here. After all of these episodes of hitting us, like... Yeah. Why would you think I'd hit you again? <laughs> I love you. Wait, what? No, you don't. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, huh. Yeah. There's so much, like, there's so much building on previously established Vulcan stuff while yep. not just sort of fan servicing, but also filling in some No, it's, gaps it's and, using, it's using stuff from older series and also, you know, books and stuff to, yeah. like, set up, like, a really established, like, a real world that, like, has real stakes and is actually interesting to watch. 
And it fixes the Vulcans because now we have discovered, oh, these jerks who hate the humans mm-hmm. and are trying to fight the Andorians, which baffled us from minute one. We yeah. like the Andorians, but it's like, why are Vulcans starting a war? That doesn't feel yeah. right. It's because there's this this small cabal of guys in charge who are hawks and the rest of Vulcan is like, wait, what? No, yeah. Surak taught, you know, Surak is like Vulcan Jesus and Vulcan Buddha. He is a pacifist. And why don't you follow these teachings? Yeah. And they're like, what? No, that's that's fake. The the real teachings of Surak said, blow up Andoria. <laughs> Says so right here in big, chunky letters. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned books, and this is your good thing for the for the first part because the the people who wrote this yes. are, are famous Trek novelists. Like one of, I would say you definitely my favorite Trek novelist, and I would suspect yours as well. Oh, definitely. Like uh, I'm a big Peter David fan, but like these guys, yeah, these guys got a lot of hit and miss. Whereas these guys are yeah, no, you like can pretty much guarantee uh, if you go if you read a Reeve Stevenson book, you're gonna get a bit, you're gonna get a pretty kick ass Trek novel. Uh, it's it's Stevens, not Stevenson. Oh, Reeve Stevens. Yeah, it's uh, Judith and Garfield, Reeve Stevens. They actually, they co-wrote, by which I mean, I think they just wrote mm. the, the Trek books that Shatner allegedly wrote. Yeah. Which is why they were actually pretty good. That was the only thing that could possibly, well, I might want to check these out. But do I really want to read five books about Shatner's ego trip? I, and that is what they are. Yeah. It's very clear he had input because he's like, talk about how great Kirk is some more. Yeah. And I want to I come back from the dead and beat up any bad guy that ever made that was ever difficult for Picard to fight. Yeah. Let's let's make a list of all the guys that next gen couldn't handle and just have Kirk t- take them out immediately. Mm-hmm. How about that? No, actually, the ones that I read, which are, I think, the first three, there, were sure. like, there ended up being like three trilogies. Yeah. But like the first three, I actually pretty well like the first one, especially. Which was a very sort of sad old man, like that that same vibe from, from mostly from two uh-huh. in some of the other movies as well. Like, ugh, I I'm not on a ship anymore. What do I do? And it's a lot of that desperate trying to be relevant and trying to be, you know, like keep the adrenaline going yeah. and stuff. And it, it's pretty good. <laughs> Grandpa yeah, showed guys. up at the uh, Grandpa showed up at Starfleet Command again to see if he could help out. Yes, exactly. That is exactly it. And spoilers, I guess for a. 25 year old book mm. but uh he ends up uh uh ditching the enterprise a into a sun to fight the klingons or something like he gets to wreck another enterprise <laughs> thanks kirk which i thought was pretty good but anyway I, I don't want to take away from your good thing i just wanted to set up who these guys were before you start saying oh, yeah. praises so it took him one episode guys it took the reeve stevens one episode to make this show not just watchable but enjoyable this is what happens when you have talented writers who know their star trek this episode is just loads of crap about vulcan history and philosophy and it's all interesting and it ties back to the original series and all the stuff that's come before and it's just good where the hell have this has this been the last four years yeah and I mean, I know where it's been. It's been Brandon and uh, Rick Berman fucking jerking off all over the well, all I over mean, Rick's still in charge, but at least at least he let these guys do this. I read an inter- I read an interview that they were basically figureheads at this point. Ah, they had well, no power on the show. Well, I mean, Rick Berman is in charge of the whole thing, but uh-huh. he could have stepped back to do something else. Like at the end of the day, he gets to say mm. what goes on the air and what doesn't. But he could very easily have just stayed out of it. Yeah. So I guess that's good. Shut up, Rick, you piece of shit. Yeah, he is real kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. No, it, it is amazing because there's so many things we've seen set up. And actually, Tapao, 
which as I pointed out on, on Twitter earlier in the week, Matt, and what is quickly becoming your most popular tweet ever. Uh, Yeah. Well, um, the reason I think we both reacted that way is because that's how flock says it every time. Oh, well the, the leader of the Syrinus is to pow. And the guy who plays flocks reads it that way. Uh Uh-huh. it's not just us imagining it. Also, I don't know if you recognize this or maybe saw it in Memory Alpha, but you know she's a character that shows up later. I uh, she from Amok. She time? is the no, yeah, yeah, Amok, uh, Spock Amok, as Bob calls it. Yes, uh, the Vulcan priestess that tries to marry Spock to uh, to his betrothed before that ends up not happening. Oh, that's super cool. So it's her like a hundred years before, or however long ago this mm-hmm. was. Which is great. I mean, she doesn't have the, the I think it was like a Hungarian accent. She, does, she doesn't have the accent, and she doesn't talk in these and vows, so it's not quite right, but uh, who cares? That shit comes with age when you're, when you're a Vulcan. But yeah, I guess When so. you get to 300, you, have a, you get a Hungarian accent, and you start talking like Thor. <laughs> I was going to Thor and Shakespeare and um, the Bible. Yeah. That's it. Those are the only people who talk like that. Yeah. Well, the only people who have ever made it to 300 years old. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Shakespeare's still shambling around out there somewhere. Yeah, he's writing plays. I guess. The problem is no one sees plays anymore unless they're Hamilton. <laughs> he tried to write Hamilton, but that did not go well. <laughs> it was so People obvious. People saw through that immediately, yeah. It's like, r- really, Will? Try, try harder. You've been around a long time. Really another another Hamlet play, huh? I'm trying to create a shared universe. Okay. So is everybody except Star Trek. Uh-huh. Who makes it very clear that their shows and movies are not the same thing. They sure are. They, it's almost like they say it every week. Oh, boy. Anyway. No, this was this was great. There was a lot of, like like we say, world building, but also not ignoring the previous stuff. Yeah. Stuff about Katras, which, you know, I've never been crazy about the Vulcans being super logical, but also weirdly mystical. But that is an essential part of it. The, the Katra thing, I think, works if you sort of take it as like an evolution of the mind meld. This is sort of always how I've sort of... Yeah. No, and it and it does fit. And honestly, I've read good writers. Like you mentioned Diane Duane's Spock, Spock's World, which is yeah. one of my favorite Trek novels also. It's so good. Which does a lot of building that, that this either draws on or unintentionally parallels. Yeah. But there, the, what it basically said was these guys were telepathic and they were crazy like angry all the time mm-hmm. and they overcame that because otherwise they would have killed each other yeah but they still have the telepathy which is why they have some of this weird mystical stuff and things like pawn far yeah the whole point of them being logical is to keep that shit in check because otherwise they would just be savage all the time yeah so yeah it's really cool uh, but actually this this kind of ties into my bad thing yes uh, from the very first time the concept of mind melding was introduced through all the various series and movies it's appeared in until now, I have hated it being used as a non-consensual way to get information out of someone. It's completely consistent with other Trek, which is something the show hardly ever does. So mm-hmm. it's a point or two for that, but I still hate it and I will always hate it. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. And, and as Matt mentioned in his summary for part one, so mind melds this, uh, um, witness to the, uh, to the embassy bombing. This dude in a coma. This dude in a coma who Flox uh, yeah. is very clear about is going to die in about ten minutes. Yeah. So like I get I get it I get the stakes and I get Soval being a secret melder. We've established like they're even building on some of the shittier things this show has set up. They're mm-hmm. not throwing it out. They're saying no. Mind melding still is this fringe thing that people see as kind of deviant and bad. Yep. And like I didn't love that, or actually I did at first, and then it kind of turned into something gross. Mm-hmm. But 
what I did like was them saying, okay, so Saval has to do this for the plot, but then that gets him in trouble because he's a filthy melder and like, yep. oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But I still, I have never liked the, the non-consensual melding thing, and I'm never going to. No, well, the thing is, they set it up as, like, a rape metaphor, it like, much earlier, and then apparently yeah. forgot all about that. Yeah, or just said, well, sometimes it's like that, sometimes it isn't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, it, it's gross. It is, and it continues to be gross, but it's always been gross, so I guess half credit for being consistent. Yeah, all right, it's you got, gross. I mean, I guess you got that going for you. Yeah, but speaking of Saval, this is my good thing for the first one. I have really wanted to like this guy from the mm-hmm. beginning. Like, I like the actor. Yep. And it makes total sense to make the Vulcan ambassador one of the regularly recurring guys in the pre-Federation era. He's He's got Sarek's job. He's important. He's He would be around a lot. Mm-hmm. And he was a decent enough presence to this point, I guess. But he's always just sort of the face of the asshole Vulcan. That's like, the thing. He's, al- a- he's always the dude that we're supposed to be mad at when we're mad at the Vulcans. Yeah. So Yeah, because Archer is. Yeah. And- because we've never believed in Archer, we don't really buy it, but, you know, whatever. But now, finally, in this episode and the next one, he gets a bunch of stuff to do that I like. Mm-hmm. He's stopped being a one-dimensional human hater. He's cooperating with our heroes. We have that great scene Matt talked about at the beginning where he and uh, Admiral Dadmiral are yeah. like, you know, one day we really should stop bitching at each other and maybe, like, combine Starfleet and the Vulcan fleet to, like, one big cool thing. Yeah. And yeah, so like he makes decisions that are complex and relatable and mm. and he's a bit rebellious when the plot calls for it. And, you know, good. Finally. Took him yeah. long enough. Now there's he's one got a line and I, like. I think it's this. He's got a line in the I think the second episode that I really like where uh, uh, Trip's like, you know, for a guy who's helping us out a whole lot, you sure don't you sure have made it clear that you don't lack humans. And he goes, Trip, I lived on Earth for 30 years. It's like, I got a great deal of respect for humans. And Trip goes, yeah, well, you never show it. And he goes, I know. I'm a Vulcan, dummy. Yeah. You you have this conversation with T'Pol all the time. Pay attention, you hound dog. Like, you have to. <laughs> I ain't nothing but that. <laughs> you got you to gotta judge them on, you know, like Vulcan standards. Yeah. Like T'Pol tells jokes and you don't catch them because you're, you're looking for a human joke. Mm-hmm. And that's not how she rolls. It just, you know? Yeah. But no, I I rather liked him. And it was super unfortunate that the best he had to work with was Trip. Mm-hmm. But there you go. There's a weird team up. Yeah. Then again, I'll take Trip over uh, Archer. Oh, of course. Although I will say, and, and this is actually a bad thing for the second one. So let's, let, let, let's uh, talk about that first. But then yeah. I have a I have an interesting take on this. I got to roll down to it. Yeah. Sorry. Our notes aren't really set up to talk about two episodes at the same time. (laughs) We might need to get used to that. Uh, The thing is, we're almost at the halfway point, so (laughs) we're not going to have to get used to it for too much longer. I suppose it's true. We're only two months away from the end. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Matt, we're two months away from the end. Oh, my God. Even though I like these, I still really want this to be over. Uh Uh-huh. This doesn't, like, this doesn't fix the series, like... No, no, of course not. Enterprise is still garbage, but like... And everyone says it gets good in season four. Okay, we're almost halfway through season four and we ran into a few good episodes. Really? This is it getting good? Uh-huh. Like, I'd like that we like these episodes, but let's be clear. There's still two episodes among 80 episodes of garbage. Mm-hmm. Well, we apparently enough. have like three other, three more uh, uh, Reeve Stevenson ep- Stevens episodes. Oh, so well, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so Archer gets the soul of Surak shoved in. I mentioned this. Yeah, yeah, his his Katra, like like what happened to um, uh, Bones in uh, Star Trek Three, like, mm-hmm. right before Spock died. He uh, he he shoves his his mind into Bones and has him you know ferry him back home. Yep, and that's, a, that's an established Vulcan thing. Yeah, exactly. It's called the shoving of the soul. Uh huh. It's an ancient Vulcan tradition. No, but yep. uh, so Archer being Surik just feels like yet another Archer did it first thing. It's like, oh, Cisco was god to billions of Majoras? Well, John Archer was Surak. That's a Vulcan thing, and therefore much more important to Star Trek. I I completely get it. Mm-hmm. This is a complaint that I've had, too, all along. However, I will offer this counterpoint. How the hell do you fix John Archer after all the shit he's done? Oh, like, you can't. How, no. He's a, he's a horrible, xenophobic, torturing, petty little man with daddy issues. But now, mm-hmm. he's got Vulcan Jesus in his head. That's true. This this quintessential pacifist, this guy who is calm and rational, and that's going to change him. When Surak poofs back out of his head, presumably in the next episode, he will carry a bit of that with him. And honestly, if I'm the writers and I'm trying to think of how to bring him back from all that, yeah. this is the best thing I could think of. I mean, like, I can't think of anything better. Like That's this, pretty good. You, you could plausibly write him as a nicer guy from this point forward and just attribute it to that. Yeah. So I get you. You're 100% right. But this may be, and I might be reading too much into it, mm-hmm. but this may be an effort to make him like, okay, he's done horrible things, but now he's got this other perspective in his head and he becomes the the more rational leader that we always hoped he would be. That sounds great. If that happens, I will be shocked. If we roll out of this, these episodes and Jonathan Archer is a better character that I actually like, I will be completely shocked. Well... We, we've heard for a long time that the writers in season four are very different from the people writing before. That's and true. I didn't entirely buy it up to this point, but now, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. But this is, a, this is actually a way, like, like, again, I couldn't think of another way to, to walk him back after some of the shit he did, some yeah. of the unforgivable shit that he did. And he still did those things. Yep. And that doesn't make them right. But this might at least make it so he won't be like that anymore. I mean, I still think they should have killed him in the end of season three, but that's just me. Yeah, that'd be better. Mm-hmm. But his, the two, well, the two main things, there's so many things I don't like about him, but the two main things <laughs> that I don't love about him are that he's so human-centric, narrow-minded, our guys are great, everyone else sucks, and particularly the Vulcans, mm-hmm. and that he's so just brutal. And this could fix both of those. Yeah. And if it does, that would be great. It gives him a sympathetic Vulcan POV and it makes him not want to hurt people. (laughs) I don't know why a captain should be told why it's bad to hurt people, but here we are. We have to shove the greatest uh, Vulcan philosopher that ever lived into his brain. And then and then and then he'll be half a nice person. He'll he'll average out to, you know, a sometimes okay guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Yeah, the Vulcan stuff, like, in general, like, uh, bringing back to mom wasn't bad. Yep. I I honestly thought the um, the very predictable twist was going to be that um, T'Pol's uh, husband uh-huh. was one of these rebellious Vulcans, and I thought that would have been the most predictable thing in the world, and then they didn't do it. Nope. I so, love... Like, major the, points for that. If they could keep T'Pol's husband as the most boring generic kind of asshole Vulcan ever, ever. That sounds like the guy who doesn't get up to anything because he's too yeah. dull. 
Yeah. He's the John Arbuckle of Vulcans. He's the John Archer of Vulcans. Oh, my God. I mean, he's, you know, early, like, season one Archer, the most mm-hmm. boring guy. Yep. So, yeah. But uh, that said, my bad thing for the second episode was I could have done without the tedious cliche of Tamam dying into Paul's arms and the resulting tearful deathbed re- reconciliation. <laughs> Just like, really? You're doing this? Yep. Seen that a million times. Yeah, and there's so many swerves in this where it's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That it was just like, oh, you guys were doing so well. Mm-hmm. Why Why did you do that? Yeah. So, you know, but that's that's a minor nitpick, I guess. Yeah, not the best, but, you know. Yeah. Um, What was your good thing for the second one? Uh, oh, yeah, apparently, continuing from my, my last good thing. These episodes are just apparently just about fixing terrible Vulcans and... I am all for that. Yeah, and I I assume by the end of all this, we're going to find out, or we're going to get to a point where these, you know, dick Vulcans get thrown out of power. Yeah. And the pacifist ones are, because the whole thing is Surak's original teachings were lost in the desert somewhere. Mm -hmm. And these separatist guys were trying to find the, you know, the Ten Commandments of Vulcan or whatever you want to call them. The, The lost scrolls, which say, hey, don't hurt people. And the the last thing the people in charge right now who really want a war with Andoria, the last thing they want is to find that. Mm-hmm. Because if Surak said it, we have to listen to it. Yeah. So, like, I kind of like all that. <laughs> get me the bit. Get me the stone tablet that says "Go kick Andoria's ass." We didn't even know who Andoria was at that point. Up, 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 up. As yeah. you'll all recall, Surak talked about the Blue Devil. Who? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was just a big DC Comics fan. <laughs> He's the other guy that likes Blue Devil, like Matt. Yeah. Wait, are you Surak? Oh, shit. Could be. This changes a lot about the show. Uh, my but not as much as you'd one. think. No, not really. <laughs> no. My good thing for the second one, the guy playing the, the lead, like the head of the council, like the president of Vulcan or whatever, Velas is his name. Yep. I had to look that up. I have no idea. Uh, he plays a great unstable fascist. He was um, the two-part uh, DS9 episode where we're back on Earth and mm. they're worried about changelings being everywhere. He was the admiral. Yes. That went nuts. It's like, Ben, we have to we have to stop these guys. Like, he's he's a good, crazy fascist. Yeah. And he's, and, he's great as these, like, the head of these, like, the yeah, Vulcan just, Council he, that everyone else is kind of afraid of. He's playing basically the same character, only he dials the Vulcan part of it up about 20%. Yeah. Like, he's still pretty emotional, but he tones it down to be a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. But he's still basically the, we have to do drastic, radical military things to protect our culture kind yeah. of guy. We will he d- plays that so well. Des- destroy the Enterprise. Wait, what? Yeah. The the humans literally only have one ship out here right now. They're working on the second one. But Go only blow it one up. Ship. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah. Trip almost causing an, like a, an interstellar incident. Uh-huh. Just, Again, don't leave God. Trip in charge. We can't take that guy anywhere. We need a better like. It made total sense for the story for a number of reasons for it mm-hmm. to be Archer and Paul on the on the surface. Oh sure, but we need a, a different number three. We need someone that can be in charge who isn't Trip. Yeah, it's like you can't so many- you can't go from you know the captain to the first officer to the dog like yeah and i mean this is established precedent i mean kirk left scotty in charge all the time yeah but scotty was also good at being high rank scotty was good at captain shit trips a moron yeah i know 
But, you know, there is precedent. The chief engineer is pretty highly ranked and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, but then again, can you imagine leaving Jordy in charge? I think he would do a better job. I think he would get them killed. <laughs> He's very nice, but that doesn't help you if a ship full of Romulans is bearing down on you or something. I will say you know? this. If a ship full of Romulans shows up and bears down on Jordy, he's not going to pull out a fiddle. Yeah, I guess that's true. No, come on. Trip has a harmonica. Trip has a variety of... Uh... <laughs> he's a one-man jug band? Yep. Oh, just... that reminds me. I, yes. I forgot to play this in our last episode, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this here because this deserves some attention. Oh, yes. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when we were talking about the um, uh, T'Pol's uh, marriage episode, and I said I wish they had done the the, uh, the challenge thing that so they fought so that we would have the um, the Spock Amok music with, uh, by a jug band, uh, our, our old friend Richard, who's written so many great songs mm -hmm. for the show, actually did that. He actually did a, a version of the... Uh, of the Spockamock fight music, and I, I want to go ahead and play that here. Catfish. Just delightful. Mm -mm, wonderful. And it, and it fits here since we're yeah. doing, you know, Vulcan stuff. So thanks once again, Richard. Yeah. You do amazing work. Uh, what else? Another one for the old Pa album. Yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, I've I've set up a, a special uh, page for his songs, and I think yeah. there's like eight of them now. Yep. I think there's a total of ten because Brian's done a couple as well. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, and and if we were doing the album, obviously we'd have to put my uh, keeping an open mind about Voyager song on there, mm -hmm. and then the acoustic the acoustic version of that as well is really only a jingle. But, <laughs> That's that's that is the extent of my songwriting abilities. I write pretty good jingles, but <laughs> anything like in your three minute playable on the radio range, and I'm kind of eh, not really. Oh yeah, you would have nailed it back uh, back in the fifties at the height of jingles. Yeah, well, jingles are still a thing. Yeah, they're not as much of a thing. They were a huge thing in the fifties. Well, yeah, fifties through the eighties, you could get a pretty good job jingling. Uh, there's still like you know, there's still jingles. I know, I know there are mm -hmm. I know for a fact. Um, all right. Speaking of songs, I have this note. Ugh, I accidentally heard some of the theme song. It's even worse than I remembered. <laughs> um, I want to take a moment to talk about, uh, there's a scene in the first episode after the, uh, the, um, the embassy explodes. Uh-huh. That's just, uh, Archer in a room full of coffins with the UFP flag draped over well, them. Well, it, it wouldn't be UFP because they're not the Federation yet. Well, what a, it's got, it's got Earth, the UFP. It's, it's, it's United got, Earth, whatever, yeah. yeah. But um, that scene of him just, like, there with all these these coffins is so much more meaningful than all of season three's We Blew Up Florida. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, like, maybe 30 dudes. But yeah, and the thing about blowing up Florida is we also had a personal connection to that with Trip, and it just never worked. Yeah, it just like you blew up an entire state, and I don't give a shit. I mean, I get it, but it was mostly off screen. Like mm. we saw the initial graphic, yeah, and we saw them visit it briefly, but we didn't really quite get the impact of it. Yeah, this like this means a lot. Yeah, you know, no, it does. And then it, and then we have uh, Saval come in and be all like, you know, look, I'm. Well, first of all, we have Saval come in and Archer go, what? What, are you going to come in here and blame me for all the uh -huh. dead Vulcans? We lost people, too. And Saval's just like, God, Dude, you're an idiot. 
I grieve for your loss just because <laughs> it's like that line from the Abrams movie. If if crew morale is ser- would be better served by me roaming the halls weeping. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't show grief in the same way, but I lost my friend today. Yeah. Also, I'm the ambassador to your planet and all your people are dead. This this kind of involves me, too. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's clearly upset about it, but he's a goddamn Vulcan. Yeah. Shut up, John. But it's a vi- it's a very well done scene and I quite liked it. It is. Also, the the coffins, uh, you know, draped in the flag is very military ceremony and put me in mind of the stuff that Ron Moore does well. Oh, yeah, totally. Which is really reminding us that this is the military and using that imagery to, you know, like sometimes that can be emotionally manipulative, but sometimes you can use that to your advantage, you know? Yeah, it works in this in this case. Yeah. Also, as you pointed out, uh, Admiral Forrest is a character we've seen from the pilot. So yep. it's actually a death that kind of matters. I mean, I, I never really got to know the guy, but I know who he is. No, he like he was one of those guys that you would, you know, he showed up every couple episodes. You know, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. I, he, I am open to liking him if they ever give him anything to do. I mean, he's gone now, but yeah, yeah. like he, he and Saval were on equal footing. Like, I yeah. want to like this guy. Give me something. He was mostly he mostly served to be. If this were a cop show, he'd be the lousy chief. <laughs> he'd give you your assignment every week, and sometimes if you're a loose cannon and go against the rules, he'd yell at you. And that's damn it. it. I, I want to say something like, damn it, Archie, you blew up 10 cars, but damn it, Archie, you tortured 80 people. Yeah. You killed all the Zindi. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. Uh, oh, I um, a lot of the costuming, like, because we're oh, on yeah. Vulcan, and... They they went on location for the desert stuff, and that made a huge difference. Yep. Like, once we went into the stupid planet hell caves, it's like, oh, man, you were doing yeah. so well. But Archer and T'Pol going, like, going over these big dunes like it's Lawrence yeah. of Arabia, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, it was Southern California, whatever, but it mm. still made a big difference sure. versus building a fake hill on planet hell. But all the, like, all the Vulcan stuff, like, all the extra uh, models or CG or however they did it, the buildings in the background. Like we saw some cities we hadn't seen before. Uh, all the costuming is what I was originally going to say. Like, um, Saval is dressed in this. It looks like it might be the exact same outfit. Sarek was wearing in, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, journey to Babel. Like it's, it's a very understated, but very Vulcan, you know, like I just, I really liked it. Like, yeah, it feels like, but it did also underscore the fact we saw a lot of Vulcans in these two episodes, and it underscored the fact that on the entire planet, T'Pol is literally the only one who wears a skin-tight, cleavage-exposing shirt. Yeah, at this point, I would be willing to believe that it's just the type of clothes she likes to wear if that were in any way evident in her character. Yeah, if the character was into it, it'd be fine. It's just so out of character. It is. And therefore, exploitive. Like, yeah. If she's just like, look, and we've said this before. If it was Dax, mm-hmm. Dax liked to be sexy. Yeah. Dax made no apologies about being sexy. That was one of her strengths. But T'Pol's not into that. No. So it's weird. It's just weird. <sighs> yeah. But whatever. Uh Oh, let's talk about, so there was the bomb. They were, like They blew up the embassy, and then there was another bomb, and they yeah, went to investigate. Yeah, there was a second bomb thing. under a rock that uh, yeah. Travis uh, found when he was lifting up a table. Yeah, Travis just lifting up the rum- the rubble of an entire building to expose this second bomb using like, using those guns. Like he's holding like he's holding the car on the cover of Action Comics One. Yeah, and Malcolm's the guy screaming in the foreground when he should be in charge. <laughs> yeah, but this is your bad thing. 
Oh, fucking for, Malcolm's for such one. a... It's so terrible at his job. <laughs> yeah, he is. Just, like, in this case, trying to disarm a bomb that will detonate when he scans it by scanning it. Yep. He's and like, well, this might blow us up. Well, should you maybe not scan it then? Well, if it blows up, then we know it's a bomb, right? Like, and that's it, his answer. That's literally his yeah, answer. If it blows up, I'll finally be dead like I've always wanted to be. But his but his point is, like, we'll, we'll prove it was a bomb by blowing it up. You know, Malcolm, you might not be good at anything. <laughs> I think you could just end the sentence there. You might not be good. You might not be good. As a person, as a, like, you could check so many boxes after that. As a security officer, as a Starfleet officer, as a man. Malcolm Reed, pretty much garbage. Yeah. Malcolm Reed, bad. <laughs> Just but put I do want to point X out over his face. The bad thing you actually wrote here, I, I, I want to make sure we don't lose your phrasing here. Uh-huh. It says, he almost takes beautiful Travis with him. Yeah, beautiful, perfect Travis. No, I'm with you. I'm not, that's not ironic. I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that description wasn't lost. Oh, good. You know. Because you're right. <laughs> Travis doesn't do much, but he does stand around looking pretty. So uh-huh. that's something. Oh, he's gorgeous. And like I say, he got to use the guns, the the, the big arms we've been talking about forever. He He's actually strong. Makes let me sense. Just, let me just lift this off of a bomb. Uh-oh, a bomb. Uh-huh. Well, my boss told me to lift it up, so I guess I better. Just hold that right there. I'm going to blow us up. Well... I don't love that, but then I mean, again, this would be a great practical joke, and I love practical <laughs> jokes. And and I'll get to be a ghost. <laughs> so people can tell stories about me. This, I, this really just uh, checks all my boxes. You guys ever hear the story of Travis who haunted the exploded Earth Embassy? Travis, it's less scary if you're telling us. Ooh. Where did you get that flashlight? I was killed with it. There was, there's a point where, and I didn't write down who said this, but somebody, one of the Vulcans just says the needs of the many, and that's all they say. Yeah. And it's like, that is exactly the sort of thing I want. Acknowledge Trek. Don't beat us over the head with it, but don't insult our intelligence by saying, you know, Spock said. And no, in it this fits, case, in, they it fits in perfectly because it's just, you know, that's Vulcan philosophy. Of course, he's going to talk about it like that. Yeah. But they only say the first half because yeah. we know. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I like. I like where it doesn't beat you over the head with it but yeah. it's still there i also really like that um the monastery episode from season one which felt like it should have been kind of a throwaway thing keeps coming up and that's what this is all about i like that a lot like the yeah. fact that this is a big that that's a big deal yeah because at the time it should have been and we just assumed it wouldn't was it going to be yeah yeah no so many episodes we've commented on across all the series it's like how are we not still talking about this i know we had a running joke in ds9 where um, Bashir left a, a, a dying planet and said, I'm going to find a cure for you, and then never mention it again. And we just every week. <laughs> and then play war games every week for the next yeah. five seasons. <laughs> Shouldn't he be finding a cure? What, didn't he say he's going to spend every waking moment? He I'm very awake busy. right now. <laughs> yeah. Miles and I have to go and fight the, and go and fight the German army. <laughs> yeah. But I, and there's a lot of that. There was the next gen episode where Jordy was tortured, and the next episode he's fine. Like mm-hmm. there's so many times when Star Trek just doesn't follow up on something that should be a big deal. But this actually has been. Yeah, I like that a lot. No, so that was good. It's it's and you know it should be important. Like yeah, big Vulcan like a big Vulcan religious uh, temple that was also being used for spy purposes. Yeah, and and their weird obsession with spying on and eventually fighting the Andorians. Like, I think what I liked the most mm-hmm. was they did acknowledge 
mostly original series. There's a few things that come up in later series, but obviously chronologically you mostly have to reference sure. you know early stuff. But there's a lot of reference to that, but they're also not afraid of the tiny bits of continuity from this show. There's not much to work with. No. But they're trying to make it all fit together and not... Because there's another move, which if you or I were in charge, would be sort of tempted to do, which is just throw all the crap off the table. Yeah. Just say, ah, this is all terrible. Let's just say this is a new series, basically. Mm -hmm. But no, they're actually building on stuff that they've set up in this show, which makes it better, I think. Yeah, it's so much better to just like, well, no, this stuff did happen, and we should acknowledge, like... We don't like it, but let's build on that. Yeah. That's how how writing works. That's how serialization works, is what came before still happened. These are the the choices that that the people made before us. Like, we're stuck with them, but, you know, we could probably get some... We can probably get some gold out of this. Honestly, what they could have done, come to think of it, is... They, they opened with a dumb temporal Cold War thing. Mm-hmm. They could have just said, well, the timeline changed in a bunch of different ways that we're going to discover as we go on. And yep, that would be that, su- could, that would have been super easy. We yep. just erased all of Brandon Braga's stuff conveniently. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. They it's like that lost choices. season of Community. Yeah. Very much like that, mm-hmm. which I've never seen and probably will never see. Probably for the best. Yeah. Um. But it's, you know, I, I like that they're building on the, the monastery thing, on the uh, melding being, like, uh, looked down upon. Like, all of this stuff feeds into what they're doing now, and it's good. And I feel like by the end of this, I don't know if there were any hints to it or if I've read this in non-canonical places. Like, I need to get more clear on this. But I'm pretty sure these sort of um, hawkish, like, aggressive Vulcans in charge right now are Romulans. I don't know anything about that, but, like, at this point, one, I I buy it. Yeah. I don't but, know if they come out and say it, because we're not supposed to know who the Romulans are yeah. yet. We humans, not we the audience. I, I, I buy it, but also, like, I'm okay with some Vulcans being assholes, if yes. not all Vulcans are assholes. That, that would be fine, but, like, timeline-wise, we are pretty close to when the Romulan War was sure. supposed to have happened. So it could be cool to think, well, at this point in Star Trek history, humans are not aware of the fact that Romulan, that there's this other aggressive race who are genetically identical to mm. Vulcans who still hate the Vulcans and could secretly be posing as them. And we would never know. Yep. That's kind of cool. And it wouldn't undermine later when Kirk says, oh, they look like you, Spock, like, <clears throat> because we don't know that yet. Yeah. No. And so, we're, um, they, we, they actually get a shout out in this episode. That was pretty cool. Oh, do they? They're called, uh, the one, what is it? The ones who fly under the, under the Raptor. Oh, right. Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. that. It's like the people who split away from Star Yeah, and they're mentioned, yeah. they're super They're ve- super vague about it, which, you know, yeah. makes a lot of sense, but... Yeah, that's fine. You know. Yeah, we're not supposed to know about it. Don't yeah, do they, that they, early they Enterprise thing. Vague about it. Don't do the early Enterprise thing where you give us a thing we've already seen and mm. just say, whoops, we forgot about it. Like, this yeah, is but much re- better. but really, Archer discovered, although he did. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And again, you're not wrong. Uh-huh. And uh, what's gonna happen? I, I haven't seen part three. I don't know what happens in it, and we'll find out soon enough. But here, this is my prediction. He, with Surak in him, is going to be the one to save the day and reunite Vulcan. Yeah, that is and he'll definitely get credit happen. for that, and he'll be the big hero. Yep. And that's going to suck. But, yep. you know. You know, if the rest of the episode surrounding it is good, that'll be fine. Well, and like I say, the Surak thing, if it makes him a better person, yeah. then I'm okay with that. So It's just, <laughs> the thing is... We shouldn't be this angry when the main character saves the day, but we always will be because he is terrible. Yeah, and he hasn't earned any of this. Nope. Like, Ben did a lot of smaller stuff early on. He didn't save 
Bejar until like the finale. No, in fact, a lot of people thought that him being the pro- the uh, the emissary was emissary. nonsense for a good chunk of that show. Yeah. No, and, and but I mean, the stuff that he did was still pretty small. Yeah. Like he he found a lost city, he found an orb, but he didn't do the big stuff until near the end because yeah. you need seven years to build that up, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. What else? Mm. Look, I did. I did head. like that. Tapal didn't believe the whole uh, archers carrying Sirach's Katra thing. Yep. She's like Katra's. Uh, man, I don't know. And what he said was, "Yeah, you didn't believe in time travel either." <laughs> She's like, "I still don't believe in time travel. Maybe that was an illusion. How about that? We went to Detroit where they were stealing people's blood." Mm. But did we, though? Yes, that's the stupidest thing that will ever happen in the history of Star Trek. Don't forget <laughs> that it happened. <laughs> Never forget, Wesley killed a guy, and evil aliens went back in time to Detroit to steal people's blood. Oh, Lord. And Wesley killed a guy. If um, I could go back and rename this podcast, it would be Stealing Blood in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, post Horror was not, like, it's. it sounded good to us at the time. I don't think it would have stuck completely as well if Vishal hadn't made the logo oh yeah the amazing enterprise like that's why we kept the name Mm -hmm. like it's really more about the logo like it was a fun sounding name but I don't think we would have liked it for this long (laughs) because I I, the thing is when I try to explain it to people well it's about Star Trek post-atomic horror (sighs) okay so there's a uh, yeah (sighs) yeah that that conversation takes a while Uh uh-huh I don't know I liked it because it had atomic in it Matt liked it because it had horror in it and then our friend drew a cool picture. Yeah. That's why we, that's why. And post reminded me of a cereal company. Well, yeah. And it reminded me of a post. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, I have one other note, which yes. is there's, um, they're going through these Vulcan caves and finding this, you know, like long abandoned Serac, whatever, uh, uh, monastery, Thing. I guess something. And, um, there's the big cobwebs. I just like okay, but are there Vulcan spiders? I like that's a that's a weird like I want to know more about this. If there are Vulcan spiders, are about like six feet long. Like I would assume. Well, you see, even in like deserts on you know on Earth, like existing deserts that mm. we've seen. I've I I knew some guys who were in Iraq, and there are some spiders there that just will horrify you. Oh like, yeah, no, I've seen pictures. They're yeah, out in of Australia nightmares. as well. Yeah, it's just horrible. Um, but speaking of Vulcan animals, we did actually see a Salot, which uh, that was, was really cool. Up, yeah, way back in uh, the original series, which Spock called a teddy bear. Yeah, and is a you know gruesome, snarling, fanged desert bear that will stalk you for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Archer's like, we can wait it out, and Paul's like, no, you can't. No, I love. Um, I had a domesticated one when I was a kid. Uh, one of those. Yeah. Well. I mean, if you ran into a wolf mm-hmm. and someone told you, oh, yeah, I had one of those as a pet. You'd be like, what? Like, there's there's a big difference between a wolf and a dog, just like I assume there's a big difference between a domesticated Salot and a, you know, and a wild one. I t- what, do you, what do you do when you don't, when you forget to feed it? Vulcan children never forget to feed them. <laughs> I also like the idea that everything on Vulcan is far more patient than its Earth counterpart. Yeah. The bears, too. You know what? We can wait. We're cool. Like everything on Earth is like, ah, go kill now. Everything on Vulcan's like, no, 
We'll get what we want eventually. We, I, we got nothing but time. Yep. It just, it's a nice, subtle, like... The bears on this planet live for 300 years. The character of the entire planet yep. is just way more chill than anything Earth has ever produced. Yep. I like that. There's actually, there's a moment that ties into that where uh, they're going into the into the forge and... Uh, uh, Archer hands to Paul some water, and she's like, "I'm not gonna, I don't, dr- I'm not gonna drink for like three days." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, don't you want some sunglasses or something?" She's like, "Nah, I got inner eyelids that'll protect me." I, yeah, dumbass, nice. dumbass. I was, I have, we, my people evolved on this planet to survive. Yeah, and I mean, we're domesticated too, but we still can handle it. <laughs> and like the unspoken thing is like, are you people not evolved to go anywhere on your planet? And the answer is no, not really. <laughs> No. We'll pretty much freeze or burn to death almost anywhere. We're pretty fragile. We got a big chunk at either end of the uh of the planet that'll kill us almost instantly. Yeah. Well, it was it was a nice also another nod to uh established Vulcan stuff with the mm-hmm. inner eyelid, which w- we called it out at the time and I will think this till I die. It was a really shitty like Deus Ex Machina. Yep. Oh, Spock closed his other eye that you've never seen before and mm-hmm. he's fine. That's stupid. But it's canon now, and they, they made it work here. Yeah. So that's good. Also, I did like uh, when they had that exchange, and he, she says, um, uh, no, I can live without water for a long time. Uh, that, that, that sets up a, a, a callback later when he's got Surak in him, and she's like, you need water. And he's like, no, I can, I can last for three days. And it's a nice, like, because he's a Vulcan. Now. Yeah. Like, biologically, he's not, and he still needs water. But it was a nice little dialogue way to say. You know, yeah. I've, got, I've got a guy in me who thinks that. John, you're not a Vulcan. Oh, shit, that's right. Am, am I not? Hang on, let me check the ears. Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> ears. Uh-huh. Ears. ears. Got to ears. Uh-huh. Always always be ears. Yep, that's the Trek motto. Uh-huh. 50 Across years. all the series, whether it's Ferengis or Vulcans. 50 years, always ears. <laughs> the 50-ear mission. Oh, dear. Yeah. No, I should go to jail for that. <laughs> also, another uh, another occurrence of Archer being in jail. Yep. So there's that. Mm-hmm. There's always that. There will always. I be mean, that. it's been two episodes, so we're about yeah. due. Yeah. We actually had a listener write in uh, to list all the times that Archer's been in jail so far. Oh, wonderful! And the problem with that list is only that uh, by the time we get to our uh, supplemental, uh, mm-hmm. there will be several more examples to add. Oh yeah. So it's it's an incomplete list up to like the the beginning of season four, I think. Yep. But still great that he did that, and I'm excited to uh, Yeah, we appreciate that. that. We dig yeah. into that. Yep. Uh, I think that's about it for me. Yeah, I think so. Let's every, all my notes. Yeah. We had a, we had a guest uh, have to cancel for a, an emergency at the last minute, so yes. this is, uh, we don't have the quote that we would usually have, just because uh, Matt very graciously stepped in and, and wrote a summary on what was supposed to be his week off, and yep. uh, didn't, didn't have a quote. So I have a quote from the second one, though, which is... Um, Saval, basic. It's basically that scene from uh, uh, 2009 Trek where Spock says "Live long and prosper," but he says "Go fuck yourself." Yep. It's uh, them. Uh, well, here. Your accomplishments have been noteworthy. They don't justify deception. Deception has never been a stranger to this room. I just really like that. He's like, "You guys are a bunch of liars. You've always been a bunch of liars. Yeah. Why are we pretending that you're honorable? You're you're just not." Yeah. So that that's the Saval that I like. He's kind of a, you know, kind of shitty at the people who are ruining his culture. (laughs) Yeah. And good for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, What do you got for an alternate title for the first? Oh, God. Um, 
Yeah, I went with, for my first episode, uh, check out Federation and Prime Directive, if you haven't. The title. <laughs> ah, yes. Those are the two, would you say the two best? The two, uh, those are the two, definitely the two best uh, Reeve Stevens. Judith and Garfield Reeve Stevens yeah. books. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to read any Trek novel, those mm-hmm. those two are the ones that we would stand by them. There's other good ones, but those yeah. two are the best. Federation, like, one of the reasons I didn't like the movie First Contact for a while, and I kind of got over this, yeah. was the Federation did a lot of filling in, like, connecting dots that hadn't been connected before that uh, First Contact and then Enterprise kind of contradicted. And mm-hmm. I thought what they came up with in Federation was better. Yeah. But that's going to happen. Like, that's that's going to happen, and you just have to get over it. But mm-hmm. it's a gr- it's the best, I would say the best original crew meets next-gen crew without being too contrived story. Yeah. That I have ever read. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my alternate title for the first one was One in a Row, Enterprise's Glorious Winning Streak. <laughs> uh, okay, for the second one, what did you have? I got uh, Been Through the Forge on a Horse with No Name. That's uh, quite good. <laughs> and I went with uh, John Archer is Vulcan Jesus in The Dispassion of the Surak. <laughs> one of those old school MST ones where it's like five references in one. Or John Archer, Superstar. <laughs> John and the amazing Technicolor sunglasses. Sunglasses, yeah. Yeah. Walking around with sunglasses, which, you know, are practical on a blazing hot desert planet, but still just feel a little too modern for me. It's for between that, guy be, that and his know. baseball cap. Like, and I like the baseball cap. I've said before yeah. I like the baseball cap, but. No, that's what Navy guys wear now on like carriers and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it just felt a little too contemporary, I think. Yeah. Um, so is that everything? Yeah, um, so before we go this week, um... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to do a brief shout-out. Uh, friend of the show, uh, Mike Fahey, we learned this week, uh, had a, uh, some, uh, uh, heart surgery. Um, so we just wanted to say, you know, get well soon, Mike, we're all pulling for you. Um, Yeah, uh, Mike writes for Kotaku. He has been a long supporter of the show. He, I, I would, I would venture to guess that quite a few of you are listening to us because of him. Yeah. Because basically he liked the show anytime he's reviewed a uh, Star Trek game for Kotaku and he's one of their main guys. Yeah. uh, He says, I like Star Trek. I like the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast. You should listen to it. And he's done that for us like three different times. Yeah. And every time there is a noticeable spike in our listenership. He seems like a great guy. I follow him on Twitter. He's yep. he's funny and interesting. And uh, the his his friends at Kotaku say, well, yeah, he's got health insurance, but still this kind of stuff is still a little costly. So we've set up a GoFundMe to help yeah, him out. Um, yeah, I've got will... the link here. I'm not going to read yeah. it because it's one of those complicated ones, but it will yeah, be no, in the we'll show notes. Yeah, no, we'll put it in the show notes, of course. And um, uh, you should you should definitely um, help him out if if you are so inclined. And, yes. Uh, I, I'll definitely be throwing a couple bucks at him. Yeah, me too. Um, Mike, get well soon. Uh, we appreciate your support. You're a yeah. great guy. And uh Hope everything turns out okay for you. Yeah. Okay, so what else? Uh, uh, oh, right. The website, postatomichorror.com. The uh, email address, postatomichorror at gmail. Um, Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Uh, we are on Twitter, at uh, RobotMatt, at Algar. Yep. Please stop tweeting at Pa Podcast. That is an account we have, <laughs> but we don't. I lost the password for it. Here's, here's what happens. It's set up on my iPad for on my whatever I use on that Echo phone or whatever. Uh-huh. So I get notifications. So I see someone has tweeted, but then it says, put in your password to see this tweet. And I don't know it anymore. <laughs> and I don't remember what email address I set it up with, so I can't even get the password. And I never had access to it. So 
I appreciate you guys wanting to tweet to the official show account, but th- there is effectively not a, an official show account. So and also, we can't shut it down. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, follow what you want. Tweet at what you want. I'm not going to stop you. But if you want something to get to us. Yeah. If you're trying to talk to us, like tweet at us, because otherwise we're not going to see it. All I'm going to see is that there's a message that I can't get, which <laughs> drives me nuts. Uh-huh. It's oh, like God, when that you little get number's that... got to just keep getting bigger. Yes. It's exactly that. Oh, it's... I have notifications set on my iPad, so I'll be reading or something, and it'll say, Pa Podcast has a new at, and I'll say, oh, what is that? And it'll say, enter your password to find out. I, oh, God, here Ugh. we go again. So, yeah. Um, the big live show, the big first episode of Discovery Live Show is June mm-hmm. 30th yep. at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. Uh, if you are going, please RSVP at thepocket.org. We would appreciate that. Um, we would love to see you there. It is a yes. pay-what-you-will thing doesn't like there's no set ticket cost for it because we will be screening the episode and there's legal stuff involved so if nothing else if you live in seattle and you've wanted to check out star trek discovery and and you know cbs all access is like i don't know if i want a new streaming service come watch it with us yeah that's that's hey we're gonna be watching it so yeah and then and then we'll tell you what we thought also if if you want to maybe bring someone along who's not into Star Trek or doesn't know much about Star Trek, this is the best jumping on point because first new Star Trek series in 15 years, mm-hmm. all, all you need for context is that first, there's that hour of television. Like you don't need the 300 plus episode backstory of our show. You just need, you know, we're talking about this hour of television right now. That's all you need. So mm-hmm. it's a perfect time to jump on. If you, if you maybe have been trying to convince someone to get into our show or to get into Star Trek this is a good time to do it. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's all. Yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, We're still just doing this.